Um, you know, I like to start with something funny, and I heard this joke about uh, this 92-year-old man who had went to the doctor, and after he saw the doctor, the next day the doctor saw him in the park, and when he saw him at the park, he had this young, beautiful woman with him. The doctor went up to him and said, hey, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great, doctor. I did exactly what you told me to do. He's like, well, what was that? He said, you told me to get a hot mama and be cheerful. The doctor looked at him and said, that's not what I told you. I said, you have a heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> How many know sometimes we hear what we want to hear? <laughs> oh, my daughter liked that one. You're still laughing, Haley. Do you, you like that one? Okay. Well, uh, today, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read our theme verse. And as we do that, will you welcome all of our online church members that have joined us today? We have people in Utah, Colorado, San Diego, Iowa, San Francisco. Wow, we're excited that you're with us today. We've been in a series called Down to Earth. And I want to say, today the message is going to be a little bit different um, um, than your normal traditional Christmas message. The Lord kind of gave me a different angle to take, and I'm excited. Next week, though... As you know, we have our Christmas Eve services, we'll have our Saturday night service, and then on Christmas Eve, we have our three Sunday morning Christmas Eve services, and I'm going to be getting a little more traditional with the approach, but today I'm going to go a little different direction. The Holy Spirit was kind of stirring something up, and I'm excited to share it with you. We've been in a series called Down to Earth, and I want us to read our theme verse, and all of you joining us online, why don't you do the same? Let's all read it together. John chapter 1, verse 14, here we go, Ready? So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You know, what we've learned is that Christmas is the incarnation of God, where God came from heaven down to earth. He wrapped himself in human flesh. And by him coming down to earth, we're able to see him, see his glory, see his character, see his love. So I want you to close your eyes as we take this day to focus on Christmas. Father, we praise you today. We thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. And at Christmas, we get so busy with shopping and presents and parties and family that sometimes we can walk right by that stable. We can walk right by that manger and miss the whole reason for Christmas. So we stop this morning. We set our hearts and tune them towards heaven. Focus our attention on the Savior, on the Christ. Speak to us today and let us, like that silly joke I told, not hear what we want to hear. Let us hear what you want us to hear. Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You've heard the phrase down to earth. Usually when you hear that phrase, speaking of someone, hey, they're down to earth, it means they're humble or they're not pretentious. I like the phrase and I've used it and that is they're relatable to normal people. And that's really what Christmas is about. It's about for us to be able to see our God in human flesh through Christ Jesus, and we can relate to him. We can understand his love, his character, his nature. And so we've learned several things over the last two weeks. I tell you what, I've enjoyed this series a lot because I've learned a lot about what it really means 
to know God, to follow God, and what Christmas is all about. And today I want to talk to you, and we've used the story, and we've looked at Joseph, right? We've learned several things about Joseph, that Christmas brings righteousness down to earth. Christmas brings obedience down to earth, right? We learned some things like that. I want to now begin to focus on Mary, and over the next two weeks, we're going to learn about Mary and how we can see God down to earth through the way she responded in this story. What do we know about Mary? Let's dive in for a second. Well, the first thing we know is that she was very young, probably 12, 13, maybe 14 years of age. We learned a few weeks ago that typically someone would get engaged, a a man and a woman there, when the when she finally hit puberty. And that's when the parents that were putting the marriage together would get serious and form a a formal contract and give a bride's price or a dowry to the bride's family. So she was young. The second thing we know is that she was poor. We know that she didn't have much in the way of finances. When they went and offered the child, they gave the two turtle doves as a sacrifice um, when they had the circumcision. And that tells us that they were very poor, because poor people would offer the turtle dove. It was a much less expensive approach to worship. We also know that she was from Nazareth. Now, that's important, too, and if I have a chance, I may get into this next week, but Nazareth was the place where Mary grew up. Her family was there. And Nazareth was a small village outside of a larger area about um, where there was a lot of growth that took place, a lot of construction that took place, a lot of things that happened, and so people would commute into the larger city from Nazareth. Nazareth is interesting because its name is a Hebrew name, which means a root or a, something that grows up, and we may get into the next, that next week, but Nazareth was not a place that he wanted to come from. It wasn't like a cool city. In fact, remember when they came to one of the disciples to be and said, hey, we found the Messiah, Jesus, from Nazareth. And the man looks at him and says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was not a great city, but it was the place where she came from. The other thing we know about Mary is that she was deeply spiritual. Somebody might say, Pastor, how do we know that she was deeply spiritual? Just because God chose her? No, that I believe God chose her because... He saw something in her. And the way that we know that she was deeply spiritual was because when the angel came to her and told her she was going to have a child, she eventually broke into what's called the Magnificat, Mary's Magnificat, her song where she began to declare praise to God that God had chosen her to be the the mother of the Lord. And in that Magnificat, as she began to sing this song of praise, what we find is that there are all of these phrases that came out of that song that tell us she was a studier of Scripture. She had listened or heard Scripture. She had had it spoken in the synagogues, and she had paid attention. Women were not allowed to study Scripture. They weren't allowed to be taught by the rabbis. So she had gleaned Scripture from the Bible. She had gone enough. She had paid attention enough She was spiritual enough that it had stuck in her heart. And as she began to speak and sing praises to God, that scripture began to come out through the song. It tells us that she was deeply spiritual. What I want to do now is I want to take the story of Mary and I want to take a little bit of a unique approach. And what do we learn about God? What what is the, the, the principle that came down to earth 
in this story. And I want to read a verse to you that shows us something that's kind of unique. We know the angel came and visited her and told her that she was going to have uh, a child, that she was going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, not by Joseph, and that she was to raise this child and he was going to be the Savior of the world. When we read that, we find right after that that the angel tells her that, and by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant, six months. She's going to have a baby. She's been barren, but now she's going to have a child. Now watch what happens after the Lord visits her, this angel visits her and tells her all of these things. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39, it says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. That's Elizabeth's husband. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Now, when I read this, something dropped in my heart, and I want to begin to focus on this principle that God gives us that came down to earth at Christmas. We're learning, right? God's character. So what are one of the principles God's teaching us? I want to give you point number one. If you're taking notes, if you want to know what Christmas teaches us, it teaches us this. Christmas brings confirmation down to earth. Christmas brings confirmation down to earth. Now, what do you mean by that? And where are we going with this? Well, let's dive in. The first question I want to ask is this. So Mary has a visit from the angel. God says, you're going to be pregnant with my child, who's going to be the savior of the world. And the first thing Mary does, she goes and visits her cousin. Seems a bit strange, right? Seems like she would gather her family around and spend a lot of time processing this. She would go directly to Joseph. Most theologians don't believe that she went to Joseph first. She actually went to Elizabeth first. So why, here's the first question, why did she immediately go see Elizabeth? Now, here's what's interesting about that. You realize that Elizabeth, if you don't know this, lived in a small community just outside of Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a nine-day journey on foot from Nazareth. So she went to see her cousin and it was a nine-day trip. Now, interestingly enough, why did she do this? And we don't know if she went alone. It's probable that maybe she talked her parents into letting her go, and she went with someone that was on their way. But a nine-day journey to see Elizabeth. Why? Which leads me to the second question, and that is, why did the angel even tell her about Elizabeth? What was the big deal? Why did the angel feel it was necessary to tell her that, hey, by the way, your cousin is pregnant? She was barren, and she's going to have a baby. A pretty, pretty sincere questions to ask. How many would say it's a great question to ask? And, I, and as I began to pray about it, and I began to think about it, I began to d- discover some things. Now, here's the thing. We don't know for sure whether Mary knew about Elizabeth's pregnancy or not. I believe she did not. In my reading and in my study, a lot of theologians do not believe that she knew about Elizabeth's pregnancy. For one thing, her cousin lived nine days away, and it wasn't like you could get on the phone and text each other, right? It wasn't like you could, um, you know, email each other or pick up the phone and call. In fact, I think there are two reasons why she didn't know about Elizabeth. Here's the first one, because if you read the story in Luke right before this, when Elizabeth gets pregnant, now Elizabeth is, is an older lady in her 70s. 
So this is a miraculous thing that happens when she gets pregnant. The other thing is she'd been barren throughout her whole life and most likely had had some miscarriages. Most women that were not able to have children had tried to have children and would often have miscarriages. And so the Bible tells us that when she found out, she went into seclusion. What that means is, is she pulled away from society and kind of hid herself for five to six months. And here's why. So nobody would know that she was pregnant because she didn't want to get the whole, hey, I heard you're pregnant. How's it going? And then lose the baby and have to walk through that again. So most likely what happened was she said to her husband, I'm going into seclusion. I don't want anyone to know I'm pregnant. I don't want my family to know. I don't want my friends to know because I want to make sure that this baby that the angel told you I'm going to have really is going to happen, that I'm really going to have a child. And so what happens? She goes into seclusion. So because of that, I believe that points to the principle that the family didn't know that Elizabeth was pregnant. So the angel shows up and tells her, hey, by the way, your cousin is pregnant. She didn't know. And there's something hidden here, which is our second reason, I think, as to why God told her about Elizabeth. And the reason here, it's, it's beyond just the Christmas story. It's not just that Jesus Christ came to be the Son of God. I believe that the angel told her because there's a truth here about what we do when God begins to lead us in something in our life. When he begins to give us direction for something in our life that's big, that's life-changing, that's life-altering. You see, you got to understand the background of why, of why this is such a big deal. You see, when God shows up and speaks to Mary, here's what you need to know. God has not shown up and spoken to anyone for 400 years. So 400 years of silence from God's voice. So Mary's going, is this me? Was this a hallucination? Am I really going to have a baby by God? I mean, nobody's heard from God for 400 years, and now suddenly he talks to me and says, I'm going to get pregnant without having a man in my life? How many of you have ever had God speak to you and you're like, was that me or was that burrito I had for dinner last night? I mean, you know those things are going through her mind. And the reason that I don't believe that Mary knew that Elizabeth was pregnant was not only because Mary, Elizabeth had gone into seclusion, but because of this. I believe that God was using the situation with Elizabeth to help Mary go through a process of confirmation of what God wanted her to do. I believe the story of Christmas teaches us about what we do when we feel like God is directing our lives. That we don't just do it, but we walk through confirmation because Christmas brings confirmation down to earth. So you all with me now? You know where I'm going now this morning. So let's dive in a little bit more to the story. We see in Luke chapter 1, the angel shows up and here's what he says. Hey, you're going to have a child through the Holy Spirit. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. By the way, people used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, sixth month for the word of God will never fail. 
Let me give you another little tidbit of information. Joseph, most likely, with his, was with his family in Bethlehem. So for Mary to tell Joseph, she had to go to Bethlehem anyway. But here's what's cool. God set it up. So before she went and did what God told her to do, before she made a life-altering decision because God had spoken to her, she stopped by confirmation before she got there. Come on, somebody say amen. That's interesting. And the principle that God is teaching us in this passage is that as God speaks to us, when it comes to big decision-making, that confirmation is part of the process we need to use in serving and following God. You know, the Bible says that when we get a word, we're to test the word, we're to judge the word. When God, someone gives you a prophetic message or you feel like God has said something, we're to test the spirits. She stopped by and she got confirmation. Now let me just stop and say this. You know, there are things in the Bible that you don't need to get confirmation for. The Bible tells us we're to forgive people. You don't need to get some revelation from heaven and confirmation to forgive people because the Bible tells us we're supposed to forgive people. You all with me, right? You don't need confirmation to tithe. The Bible has already given us lots of confirmation. You, you get where I'm going with this, right? So there are things in Scripture that we follow and do because it's there, it's obvious. But there are times when we hear and think God might be saying something, and it's in those big moments that God says, maybe before you get to your destination of obedience, you need to go through the process of confirmation first. You know why? Because God is wanting to build your faith to know that you learn, are learning how to hear and trust his voice. Christmas brings confirmation down to earth. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, 22, it says, without counsel, plans get all messed up. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. I think that Mary knew that she needed to be around an Elizabeth who was an older woman who had already been six months pregnant, who knew what it was like to carry a miraculous child. I need to get around somebody that's gone through what I'm going through. I need to get around somebody that's spiritual. We know that Elizabeth was spiritual as well because when she sings her song of praise, we see that she's read scripture and she's strongly spiritual as well. And so the, the scripture is teaching us, listen, in the process of confirmation, you don't just hear and do but you get around people that are counselors. Now, that's the key to that idea. Many times we want to get counsel, but the problem is we get counsel from the wrong people. And I use this all the time kind of as a joke, a little, you know, it's people say, I'm struggling in our marriage, and then they go talk to their buddies at work that have all been divorced three times. Come on, somebody say amen. So the key to counsel is to have multiple counselors, but they're people that are experts in their field. Because you're not going to go to a counselor that doesn't have experience. So the Bible says that our plans get all messed up because we hear something, we do it, instead of getting the counsel and the confirmation to know that this is what God has called us to do. So this scripture, this passage is teaching us some pretty powerful things. So you ready to learn some things about confirmation? Come on, say amen. Some of you didn't realize this isn't the Christmas story. Isn't it cool? What's right there in the middle of Scripture we miss all the time. Christmas brings confirmation down to earth. So let's dive into the story a little bit. Ready? I want to show you a little bit more. Luke chapter 1, verse 41 says this. 
At the sound of Mary's greeting, now Mary makes the nine-day trip. She finally gets there. She walks in, and she sees her aunt, and watch what it says. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Now, this part right here just blows me away. I'm, we're going to get back to it in a minute. The child within you is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Here's what she says. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the word or that the Lord would do what he said. In this story, there are three things that help us understand confirmation when we're hearing God's voice to do something big. Now think about Mary's doing something big. Here's how big it is. She's literally taking the risk that she can be disowned, divorced, and destitute for the rest of her life. That's the risk she's taking. Because if Joseph chooses to divorce her and not believe her publicly, she loses everything. She'll never get married. She'll never have any money. She'll always be dependent on her parents if they'll even have her. This is the risk she's taking. How many know sometimes if you're taking a big risk, you need to make sure you're getting some confirmation? So watch, watch what this passage teaches us. Write this down. Let me give you three areas of, to help you go through a process of confirmation. All right? How many know we all have moments where we're making decisions or we're having the Lord lead us, and they're big things. They affect our lives. Could be a career choice. Could be the person we're going to marry, right? Could be that job we're going to take. I mean, no, we all have decisions. Some of you had a decision to raise your hand, and you chose not to right now. We had a few. Okay, thank you. Right. Here's, here's the first area. If we're going to learn confirmation, we need to understand this about the confirmation process of God is that Sometimes we get that confirmation because circumstances bring the confirmation. In our seeking God, is this you? One of the things we can look at is do the circumstances help us understand or point towards what God is saying? Imagine the fear and anxiety that Mary had as she's traveling nine days and here's what she's hoping. I hope when I get to Elizabeth's house, she's pregnant. Imagine that. What if I was wrong? What if this wasn't God? What if it was just some weird hallucination? Imagine the fear and the anxiety she's feeling. When she finally gets close and she's walking up to the front door, but then imagine the sense of relief she feels when she walks into the room and there in front of her is Elizabeth. Inside she had to go, hallelujah, yes, I did hear from God. Because if you look at the story when she finally got there, and here's what she knew. She knew that her aunt couldn't have a baby. She'd been to the barbecues. She'd been there when the miscarriages had happened. She'd heard everybody 
gossip about Elizabeth because in those days, if you couldn't have a baby, it meant that you were cursed. And everybody's like, I wonder what they do behind closed doors. Right? Everybody was talking about him behind their back. She had heard all of it. Imagine the joy she felt when she walked in the room. And now as she looked at the situation, there were actual circumstances that pointed to the fact that, wow, this really is something God has called me to do. You know, I've seen people over the years that will get a calling, a, maybe a direction, a desire, a passion to do something, seek the Lord on it. And I've seen, seen it go two ways. Sometimes I've seen people where the circumstances start to line up and everything starts to happen, right? And they're like, okay, God, I see you're working this thing out. And then I see other situations where they're working the circumstances. Right? And if I keep working the circumstances, let me tell you something. If doors close relationally, financially, circumstantially, and you keep having to bust through doors, the Bible says that man plans his ways, but God orders his steps. And I've seen people, in fact, I just had a conversation with someone yesterday who showed me a text from someone that was hurting and was going through a lot of hardship. And I look back as a pastor now at that situation and I see that that individual worked really hard to get where they wanted to go. And I looked at the person who showed me the text and I said, isn't it interesting how there's so much blessing and protection when you stay in what God has blessed you in and you don't try to force something. Too often in life we say, I'm going to do this, Lord, bless it. But I'm telling you, the way that God works is you find out what he's blessing and you get in the middle of it. Because circumstances bring confirmation. Y'all with me? Say amen. That's what we see in this story. Pretty cool, huh? Here's another one to see. Spiritual experiences bring confirmation. Now, I'll explain that in a second. Spiritual experiences bring confirmation. Let's take a look at the story. Here's what it says. It says, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So she shows up, and now when she gets there, she sees some physical situations that are pointing, some circumstances that are pointing to this calling or this thing that God had told her to do, right? She's like, okay, cool, but let me say, just don't stop there. There needs to be more things in the process. Firstly, does God's word line up? Because ultimately, whatever you feel like God's calling you to do, if it doesn't match with the overall principles of God's word, like if you feel like that God told you you're supposed to take revenge on your neighbor... You haven't heard the verse which says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And let me just throw, throw something in there. People that like to take vengeance on their own, you know what's sad is? Vengeance belongs to the Lord. So here's the point. They'll, that person will never get the revenge or never get the judgment that they deserve if you try to do it because you'll never do it as good as God can. Because we take out of God's hands 
Some of you are like, are you saying that God wants to get revenge and judge? Hey, God understands the principle of consequence. And sometimes God has to be just, not just merciful. And I'm telling you that too often we take things into our hands that should be in his. And God has a way of doing it that'll help turn the course of their heart. When we do it, we can just breed more sin. And then we end up walking in air and sin ourselves. That's a whole nother message. Oh, it was all for free. I gave it to you for free. If you're thinking that God wants you to take revenge, then you're not seeing that that's against the overall godly principles of Scripture. So first of all, Scripture should at least support what you sense God is saying in general. But secondly, circumstance. You should eventually start to see circumstances come around to what God has called you to do. If he's called you to go to the mission field, then he's going to help you to be able to raise the money to go to the mission field. He's going to open the doors for you to get the visa. Things are going to line up with relationships and family for you to be able to go and do what you're called to do. Eventually, things will come. That's the big thing is a lot of us want to do something, but it's not about the what, it's about the when. Because sometimes with God, it's not about yes, it's about when. Yes. Y'all with me? Okay. So I'll give you an example of this. Mary walks in, and now not only does she see the physical circumstances, but then there's a spiritual thing that takes place. And the baby leaps in her womb, and Mary's filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you that when you're seeking God, and you get some direction from God, you'll begin to discover that spiritual things, supernatural things will happen in your life that bring confirmation to that. My, my son, I've told this story one time, but I want to tell it again because it fits so well here. I'll never forget when Tanner was praying about going to college. And he really wanted to go where God wanted him to go. He didn't just want to go to school or do whatever. He didn't just want to select. And can I say, whenever you're making a big decision, bring God into the process. And so he had been praying, and we were going on vacation. And it was, I think, in March or whatever. And so he'd been praying. So while we were on vacation, and we'd just gone to Azusa Pacific to check out um, there was someone there that it worked it out for him to interview for what's called the talent scholarship, which is a lot of money that they provide for you um, in scholarship money. He'd also had some interest, and he had felt like that he was supposed to check out the University of Miami because they were very interested in him. And, uh, and so as we were going on vacation, he says, guys, I'm going to tell you something. He says, I feel weird telling you, but I'm going to tell you because I feel like I'm supposed to. I believe God wants me to go to Azusa, and he's going to provide the money. He said, I'm just getting that out there before all this starts because that's what I think God's saying. And what I love about my son is he's willing to backtrack. He's willing to be humble and say, I could be wrong. There's a lot of people that won't do that because they're too immature spiritually to admit that they can be wrong. Mature people have the courage to admit they're wrong. Immature people, they say, no, I heard from God. I heard from God. I heard from God to the point that they end up in places they shouldn't be. Because, you know, the Bible says he lifts up the humble and he opposes the proud. Come on, you all with me? That was kind of strong, but come on, somebody still say amen. All right. So he says, this is what I feel like God called me to do. The next day, <laughs> the next day we get a call from Azusa and they say, we have bad news. Professors loved you, they want to give you the talent scholarship, but what we didn't know is they'd just given it away the day before or two days before you came and auditioned. 
So we don't have, so we began to look at it and he was short. I mean, he was like fifteen to $20,000 a year short. So I'm like, Tanner, how you doing? And he was like, I don't know. I thought I heard the Lord, but I don't know. We're just going to have to walk this out and see, what's, see, you know, see what happens. So he said, well, let's go to Miami, Dad. And so we get him, you know, the plane and Devet and I, and we fly back there with him to Miami. And when we get to Miami, they end up offering him the talent scholarship, which at that school they offer one. It's, it's a very prestigious, uh, a very, uh, what's the word? Prestigious, thank you. A very prestigious program. They offer one talent scholarship, which is valued at over $200,000. They offer one of those to one student in the whole world every year, and they offered it to my son. He's like, Dad, I thought I was supposed to go to Azusa, but they've offered me this full ride to go there. And, you know, in the very beginning, I told you, I don't know if I'm supposed to go to Miami, but I feel like I'm at least supposed to check it out. So I said, well, son, maybe that was God. I don't know. I don't know what God has. So we went and so he had been fasting and praying. We get in the car, and we're on our way back from the trip. And as we're on our way back from the trip, he says, Dad, tells uh, me and my wife, I don't think I'm supposed to go to Miami. I don't know how it's going to work out. If I have to live at home to save money, to get it more affordable, I'll commute, Dad. But I think I'm supposed to go to Azusa. So I said, well, son, let's wait and see what happens. Long story short, I was playing golf about a week later. And I was out with some friends when suddenly the phone rang. And normally I do not pick up the phone when I'm golfing because I always golf worse afterwards because it's a distraction. But I did for some reason. I picked up the phone and you know what? It was someone from Azusa. And they said, are you standing up? And I'm like, yes. They go, well, you better sit down. I'm like, okay, why? And they began to tell me. They said, this doesn't normally happen, but the financial aid department came back to us, changed their mind, and have decided to match what Miami University, not exact dollar for dollar, but percentage-wise, match what they did at University of Miami. They're going to match it at Azusa. In fact, they even ended up going above by $2,000 what they gave in Miami. I immediately picked up the phone and called Tanner. Man, it was an awesome moment to see that my son had heard the Lord and he was faithful to it. But the bottom line was circumstances had to align with confirmation and a spiritual experience. Here's what's interesting is that his professor had went into the president of the college of that that department and looked at him and said, you know, you talk about wanting blue chip athletes and singers and talented people but when one comes along, you're not willing to pay for him. And now we've got one that wants to come here. So if you really want him and you say you want him, then you need to step up and do it. And here's what's cool is God used the wrong thing, because Miami wasn't where God wanted him to be, to make Azusa do the right thing. That's a spiritual experience. Because confirmation comes. And I'm going to say that in, in this process, when you're seeking God, you'll begin to discover that God will do supernatural things in the process that everyone will see and know, wow, that is God. Y'all with me? Amen? Let me give you the last thought. I know this is a little strange Christmas message, but to be honest, I wrote my message for this week 
And when it was done, the Lord said, no, it's for next week. Write another one. And I wrote this one. So here we go. You ready? The last thing is prophetic words bring confirmation. Prophetic words bring confirmation. Watch this. This is powerful. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 1 says, as soon as what happens, Mary shows up. You see she's pregnant. The baby leaps in her womb. And then this is what Elizabeth says, right? Elizabeth says, as soon as you talk to me, the baby jumped inside of me. And she says, then Elizabeth gave a cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of the Lord should come and visit me? First of all, this passage right here shows us two confirmations. One is that the angel had already told Mary, you're going to have a child. And when she did, when he did that, he gave her confirmation from the Bible because he gave scripture, prophetic scripture in Isaiah that a virgin will become pregnant and have a child and his name will be called Emmanuel. So we see the prophetic word of God already coming through the angel to Mary. Then, now watch this, and I believe this is the way it worked. Elizabeth didn't know that Mary was pregnant. And now suddenly, she, in faith, follows what God had told her to do. Circumstances begin to confirm it because Elizabeth's pregnant. Not only do circumstances confirm it, there's spiritual experiences that come along that confirm it. And then she gets a prophetic word from someone who's not even a prophet. And Elizabeth goes, I'm so glad you came. And by the way, you're pregnant and it's going to be the child of God. It's going to be the Lord. The Lord is growing inside of you. Man, think about what happened in Mary's heart when she got a prophetic word after a nine-mile trip from someone who didn't even know the angel had visited her, from someone who didn't even know she was pregnant, when she stands up and after she walked through that confirmation process, suddenly a prophetic word comes from her cousin who says, an angel has visited you, you are pregnant, it is the Lord. Talk about powerful confirmation. Christmas brings confirmation down to earth. I want to tell you that prophetic messages from God are one of the things that bring confirmation. I'll never forget when God spoke to me, and I'm going to wrap this up. God spoke to me. I was a a worship pastor, and he said, you're going to be a church planner, and you're going to plant a church. That was a scary thing for me. I went home, and I told Devet immediately, and Devette gets a bad rap for this, but she was the wise one because when I went home, I said, hey, I think God told us we're supposed to leave our jobs, we're supposed to quit everything, we're supposed to go plant. And she's like, uh, no, I don't think so. And that was maturity because we needed to be on the same page. We needed to pray it through. We needed to get confirmation. I was ready to jump out of the boat but there weren't things in place yet. In fact, it took us almost two years to leave. Well, it's a good thing I didn't go with my, well, God told me. I went through confirmation. One of the beautiful things that happened was just a few months later, I went to speak at a worship conference at a church. And when I was there, afterwards, the pastor came up to me and he said, you know what? God gave me a prophetic word when you were speaking. I'm like, what is it? He said, he showed me that you're called to be a shepherd of a house. Man, you talk about, like Mary, hallelujah. 
fact, did you know the Bible says that the word of God is established in the mouth of two witnesses? You need those confirmations. You need those prophetic declarations to confirm where they don't know the story, where they don't have an agenda, where it can be an Elizabeth who knows nothing at all. Christmas brings confirmation down to earth.